Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, it is your boy Brandon Stubbs. We're back here for another episode of Punch the Face Radio. Could uh, be anywhere, anywhere in the world this evening, but you're here with me, and as always, I do appreciate that. Uh, tonight's show, we will have guest Colton Smith, active uh, military serviceman, a former Ultimate Fighter season 16 winner, now will be fighting for Titan next season in March. So we'll have his interview here a little bit later in the show. A lot of injuries going on in uh, the UFC and, and even Bellator as well. Um, it's caused a couple of shifts and some cards and some movement uh, really rampant over the past weekend uh, with a lot of shifting, a lot of moving around over the course of the last four to five days. So I will be telling you who's going to be fighting who and where and why and how that all breaks down. We'll also give my uh, you know my take on uh, my picks from last week from UFC 183 and now what the winners and losers will do from there. But we will lead off here on the show with uh, – the Fellows Rock Test of Anderson Silva and Nick Diaz. So feel free to give a call in here to the show to area code 718-508-9852. You can tweet me at punch underscore the number to the face as well. And, uh, yeah, email me. You can email me throughout the show here at brandon at punch to the face dot com. That's always the number two uh, when you're putting that in. Uh, wow. Just... It's really unfortunate the way everything is kind of broken down with with all of this because it's it's subsequently turned into a hot mess uh, is what it's turned into. Uh, you right now have you got a mess. That's just that's the way best way of describing uh, what you have right now. Um, as you all have should know or have heard by now that uh, news was released yesterday that both Anderson Silva and Nick Diaz tested positive on their pre-fight drug test. Now, these tests were um, uh, admitted here on January the 9th. The test results just came back, well, yesterday. Now, what good is a pre-fight drug test if these results are actually going to be found out after the fact? That, that, that's, we'll, we'll touch on that here a little bit later. Uh, but that's one aspect of it, you know. How do you have a pre-fight drug drug test, exam, what have you, whatever they want to call it, 
and the results come back after the fight. Now, in John Jones' case, when he had tested positive for the cocaine here uh, ahead of UFC 182 here last month, it was more of the results were found out ahead of time, but with it being pre, you know, pre-fight, it was it was considered out of competition, so therefore the fight was still able to go on. You know, that's a whole other thing in itself because what is the point of doing a pre-fight drug test? You're not going to do anything physically about it. You know, they fail the test. They just fail the test. It's like, eh, no big deal. So I don't really understand what's the point of them having these guys do these tests if they're actually not going to punish them. Like, really, what's the point of doing these tests if you're not going to punish someone for testing positive? Like, can someone explain that to me? Because that, that doesn't honestly make any sense to me. You're going to administer a drug test, but you, if someone fails it with it being, quote, unquote, out of competition or pre-fight, you're still going to let that fight continue on and still let them fight. That makes zero sense whatsoever. None. None whatsoever. Uh, you know, that goes, you know, for both of these cases here, at UFC 183, and as well as last month with John Jones when his results were made public, uh, with him testing positive in December and still being able uh, to fight that first weekend of January. You know, what's the point of getting giving these guys tests, they fail them, and then you say, well, it was not a competition, so it's okay. You know, we'll still let them fight, but we'll just find them hefty. What's the point in that? That makes zero sense. None whatsoever. What is the point in it? Please, can someone explain this to me? Anyone, anyone, can anyone explain this to me? This makes absolutely no sense to me that if you fail a drug test, you're still able to fight. Now, in this case, this is a little bit trickier with Anderson Silva and Nick Diaz. Their test results came back, you know, two, two, what, two or three days after they physically fought. So, in that regard, I can't completely throw those gentlemen at the bus, you know, for, for fighting and the Nevada State Athletic Commission letting them fight. However, where I will hold the Nevada State Athletic Commission at fault is, what is the point of doing these pre-fight drug tests if you're not going to get the results until after the fight? That, that in itself makes no sense. You're going to do a pre, pre-fight drug test, but you're not going to get the results back until after the fight. You know, the whole point of this, I thought, was to see if these guys test for anything positive before the fight. Therefore, if you have to cancel it or something to that degree, you do it then. But again, th- this makes no sense. Why are you testing guys before these fights? Then if they test positive, you don't do anything. And then if you get the results back after the fight, it really is null and void. So it makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. So that's that. Now, as far as Anderson Silva goes in regards to his drug test, now, he tested positive for, um, uh, let me get it built up here, because it's, it's weird stuff that I honestly, I can't enunciate. And I don't know I'm going to butcher the, the enunciation of it, but I don't care. It's my show. Do what I want. All right, here, let me see here. All right. Now, in Anderson Silva's case, he tested positive for, um, uh, Distressalone and also antistrosterone, antistrosterone, or I don't know. Regardless, these are both uh, steroids that are typically used to help uh, lean the body. Uh, it, it produces certain certain chemicals in your body 
help you with leanness, help you with cutting weight. Now, I can kind of sort of understand why he would test positive for these type of items, given the fact that he was out for a year. Now, granted, he was back to training. You know, there was a smoke stress where obviously he couldn't do anything with his leg being broken, having the rod placed in. I think he really couldn't go back to training. It was um, maybe over the summer, um, you know, late spring, early summer of 2014 that he actually started going back to physically being able to do stuff. So obviously in that downtime where he couldn't physically exert himself, he probably put on weight. He probably put on a pretty good amount of weight uh, if you can't walk and can't do your normal cardio workouts with a broke leg. So if you're, you know, if you're looking at four or five months to where he really didn't have any activity, he put on weight. You know, that, that's, that, that's, you know, to be known. That's, you shouldn't be too shocked by that. So him testing for these types of steroids, not really shocking because he probably had him in a system to help him cut weight. Now, Anderson Silva did release a statement uh, today in regards to that. Initially, he hadn't released a statement yet, uh, but he finally released a statement here today uh, via his co-manager, uh, Jorge, let me get it, make sure I say this guy's name right, um, Jorge uh, Jamaris, close enough. Uh, so through his co-manager, Anderson Silva released the following statement. I have been competing in this sport for a very long time. This is my 19th fight in the UFC. I've been thoroughly tested many times and have never had a positive drug test. I have not taken any performance-enhancing drugs. My stances, I think he meant to say my stance, my stances on drugs, drug is, and will always be the same. I am an advocate of a clean sport. I'm consulting my advisors right now to explore my options and intend to fight this allegation and clear my name. I will not make any further comments until my team advises me to do so. Now, he really sat comment here today. Uh, both him and Nick Diaz are set to appear in front of the Nevada State Athletic Commission here on February 17th. Um, those are typically now held on and shown on um, UFC Fight Pass. So we may actually be able to physically see him during this um, um, hearing that he's going to have uh, with the Nevada State Athletic Commission here next month. Well, not next month. Here, uh, next week, uh, that'll be. So that's here on February 17th. So obviously, uh, whatever news breaks on that, we will have that here uh, on Punch the Face Radio once it once it's uh, made public or you know after he speaks or what have you. So there's that. So you know he tested positive uh, for for the steroids. In Nick Diaz's case, and and, and honestly, he's he's kind of getting overlooked here, and really he shouldn't. But given the fact what he tested positive for. Really not shocked. Um, it, you know, he tested positive for, as we all know, this is now his third time he's actually tested positive uh, for marijuana uh, in in the state of Nevada. He did it here in 2007 when he fought uh, for Pride, uh, and again here in, I want to say, 2012, uh, following his fight with Carlos Condit. So not totally shocked by uh, by him testing positive for that. Now, uh, I do want to read a statement that Dana White had issued here in regards to um, Anderson Silva. Now, they really didn't, 
Oddly enough, when I read, when I actually read this statement, uh, I was like, okay, all right, whatever. But what caught me off guard after reading it, and you'll listen to it and you'll understand as well, uh, there's somebody's name missing uh, when he's actually talking about this, and I'm not totally shocked. So here is the uh, issue, Dana White issued a statement here, um, maybe 45 minutes ago here before the show came on the air. Anderson Silva had has been one of the greatest athletes this sport has ever seen. He has had a long, distinguished career in mixed martial arts. In his nine years at the UFC, Anderson has never tested positive for, for a banned substance. In light of this, we want to assure that Anderson gets his due process and we will support him during this time. While this process plays out, Anderson will continue his role as coach on the Ultimate Fighter Brazil. Of course, we will continue to monitor the actions of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Also, he wanted to say, we fully support the submission's out-of-competition drug testing program, which we've had finance when requested over the past two years. Testing of this nature is important to help keep the sport clean. The director of the laboratory in Salt Lake City has now explained the timing of Anderson's results and why the commission and the UFC did not receive the results until after the fight. Once all the results have been made public, the Nevada State Athletic Commission has reiterated its decision we will respect the process and move forward accordingly. Now, that was a direct uh, statement released here from Dana White in regards to the positive drug test uh, for all parties involved, well, for Anderson Silva there at uh, UFC 183, uh, that pre-fight uh, out-of-competition drug test. So, like I said, interesting. He said his, you know, said Anderson Silva's name and, and you know, thought, you know, brought up about what he's done here for the sport and how great he is and what have you, and doesn't say anything about Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz is completely left out. Nothing said uh, about Nick Diaz, nothing about him getting his due process. Nothing is said. Only thing is said is, a, is about Anderson Silva and him being a great ambassador here for the UFC and never tested positive before. Quite interesting. Quite interesting that he doesn't actually acknowledge Nick Diaz at all throughout this whole situation. Now, in regards to Nick Diaz, like I said, he tested positive for marijuana. Um, he actually tested positive double the amount of the limit uh, that you were allowed by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Uh, I want to say, and, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong here, I want to say it's nanograms. Uh, it's uh, 150 nanograms. He actually, or, or nanograms, he actually tested positive double that. So, are you looking at 300-plus that he tested positive over uh, during that uh, that pre, pre-test? So it's insane to think that we shouldn't be shocked by this, but we're really not. And, you know, even one of his training partners, Joe Schilling, said, uh, let's be clear, he uh, went toe-to-toe with the GOAT in greatest of all times and was stoned, uh, you know, jokingly making fun of the, the situation and making life the positive Nick Diaz drug test. The problem is, though, this is now Diaz's third offense, a third positive test underneath the Nevada State Athletic Commission's uh, overseeing, which leads me to believe that he's going to get a crazy fine uh, behind this. Uh, you never know, maybe even an indefinite suspension. We just don't know um, in regards to what he's going to get hit with when that time comes. But we know he's going to get hit with something. We just don't know what. We just don't know when. But it's going to happen. It, 
make no mistake about that. It's going to happen. Um, how much of that will get released here um, when uh, they ha- go in front of the Nevada State Athletic Commission here on the 17th? We shall see. But uh, that is what's going to happen. And like I said, you know, and as Dana White said in that statement, Anderson Silva is still going to be coaching the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, which I, I believe started taping either here Monday or yesterday. Uh, for that matter, or either it's going to start here in the next week or so. But it, it's it's crazy to think that that that's already you know they've already already gone and given that the green light. So that should be real interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, if he ends up staying on the show, being able to coach, or or what. It's it's just absolutely insane this whole thing that's going on. And and it seems like now after every you know pay per view now two pay per views here this year for the UFC. Uh, Two testings that came out, and it's a lot of crazy stuff for the UFC. It's not not going real good there, 2015. You know, uh, the time is now. Hashtag is is quite funny if you think about it with with what all they're going through. Um, not to mention the injuries, which we'll get into a little bit later in the show. And I mean, there's a batch of them uh, with injuries that have gone down here with various fighters and cards being shifted around. You've got John Jones. Saying he doesn't have a coke problem, doesn't you know, is doing some kind of out of patient rehab uh, treatment. It's 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 insane. It's absolutely insane. But we shall see uh, how this plays out here in the corresponding weeks and months. Uh, another note here I want to say in regards to the UFC, not really the sandbag on them because they've got it rough enough right about now. But uh, they have found found uh, has found an injunction uh, to see if they can actually get the. Uh, Class action lawsuit this against them. If they can get it actually moved to Nevada, um, they're doing that on a couple of grounds, stating you know that you know some of the fighters, I guess, who are actually a part of the lawsuit live there. Uh, they're also saying it would be easier to commute for um, them and a lot of other parties who, are, who would be involved as maybe witnesses or uh, have to give depositions a part of the case. Uh, they're also stating you know that's their home headquarters, a bulk of their fights were there uh, during that, during that time frame. So they're trying to solve that injunction to see if they can get that moved. Don't know how that's going to work out for them, but that's something that's out here this week as well. Uh, I don't know, man. When it rains, it pours. Right now, you kind of gotta, you kind of feel bad for them from from an extent. But this could just be karma for a lot of the things they've done throughout the years. So uh, there's that. It, it's just absolutely insane. Um, but not so insane is, you know, they did have a fight card here last weekend, UFC 183 that went down from um, the MGM Garden in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, did really, it was, I don't know, man, leading up to the card, it was it was weird, you know. Let, let's just start at the weigh-ins. Like, the weigh-ins in itself were absolutely insane. You had two fighters miss weight. Um, so, you know, not too... Not a great way to start things off uh, in regards to who's fighting, not, not who's fighting, but in regards to, um, you know, the card and what have you. You can't have guys who are going to be a part of your card and, you know, co-main eventers not make weight. Uh, two guys are going to make weight, uh, John uh, Linkner and um, Calvin Gaslam. Now, let, let's first start here with Linkner. Now, this is Linkner's... Um, I want to say this is, let me get here. I have to say, I think this is his now fourth time he has missed weight uh, fighting for the UFC. Uh, fourth time he's missed weight since fighting for the in the UFC. 
mind you, this is over the past two and a half years, roughly. He has missed weight in fights. So out of his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fights, half of the fights he hasn't made weight. Let that sink in. So half of the fights you've fought as a professional over the course of the last two and a half years, you didn't make weight. Real crazy. Um, <laughs> okay, one of one of our my faithful followers on Twitter is saying, you know, uh, are we really shocked here that uh, DS is over the limit, marijuana limit? But she says the real matter is the voider. Uh, my, my buddy Ava, aka Foxy seventy nine underscore, make sure you give her a follow on Twitter. Um, it's you know, Foxy, it's a problem for all of them. Uh, Reuters, weed heads, wife beaters, drunks, anybody who's doing anything out of a sport that's going to bring a black eye to it, it's bad. So whether you're you're pumping your, your uh, a needle in your body or, or puffing the guns or hitting the bong or what have you, crushing pills, whatever your advice is, it's not good. And it's not good for your body in the long term. So it's, it's just bad all the way around, really bad all the way around. Um, I was just saying, back here to UFC 183, uh, like I said, Leitner missed weight, um, was a fine tier, uh, let's see, 30% of his purse against uh, Ian McCall. Uh, Calvin Gaslam had to get carried up to the weigh-in by his, his team, his, his cornermen. Um, he didn't make weight. He missed weight by nine pounds. He ended up um, forfeiting 30% of his purse, which I will get to momentarily. Now, the fight card itself was – wasn't bad. Uh, the undercard was interesting in the fact that Misha Tate versus Sarah McMahon um, was interesting because McMahon was completely in control in the first round, um, was landing great strikes, actually broke Misha Tate's orbital bone uh, uh, below her left eye there in the first round with some punches. Uh, but Misha Tate just completely shut me up. It shut a lot of us up because we thought in watching that, especially how that played out that first round, that she was done. She had nothing left. Uh, you know, she had kind of, you know, maybe a third of the way into the second round, momentum started swinging her way. She's completely in control towards the round ending, completely in control in the third round. Shut me up, ended up winning the fight. One thing that I did not like in regards to her winning uh, the fight was her, you know, then, you know, talking about a third fight with Ronda Rousey. No one wants to see a third fight with her and Ronda Rousey. No one. And I, I can't stress that enough because we've seen this movie before. What happens is she gets beat up. She gets beat up bad. Uh, we don't want to see that fight again. We, we don't. And there's no point in having a third fight if the first two weren't close. You get submitted in the first one, you get submitted in the second one. There's no point of having a third fight. A third fight proves nothing. So her calling her out then was kind of a joke. Um, later in the week, you know, she started calling out um, Betch Kerhea, um, saying that she should be fighting her, uh, trying to start a fight. Um, then um, Sarah Kaufman chimed in saying, you know, she should get that fight, and then saying, you know, Tate, if you want to fight, I'll fight you. Uh, quite honestly, no one wants to see either one of those ladies in a, in a fight like that. Um, I think their time in, in regards to being top contenders, it's a wrap, and I think that, that they should open up the opportunity for other uh, fighters there within the division. 
um, other female fighters in, in that bantamweight division need that time and that opportunity to shine. Have the, instead of having the same people, you know, hog the spots, uh, give Jessica I a shot. Uh, Betsy, hey, like I said, she deserves a shot. Uh, you know, Jessica uh, Juliana Pena is coming back. Raquel Pennington of race uh, Holly Holm. Um, you know, UFC 184. So there, there's women there that, you know, to where Kaufman and Tate can pretty much fall back uh, for now. And it's, you know, regards to that, you know, speaking of the Bantamweight division is, the women's Bantamweight division, the, the rankings this week kind of sort of make no sense. Sarah McMahon pretty much got dominated the last two rounds um, to where she lost that fight, wasn't competitive. She only drops down a spot in the women's rankings now. I understand that some of the other women are not active and haven't been fighting or will be fighting for a couple of weeks or months, but you lose a fight like that and you will rank three and you only get dropped to four. I don't agree with that. I think you should be dropped a lot lower than four. I think you should be maybe, you know, seven and below in regards to that. I don't think you deserve to still be in amongst the top five there in your division when you lost and lost bad uh, to the number two person in your division. But that's just me. Now, in regards to other fights here on the card, um, you know, let's get into the John Linkner-Ian McCall fight. Uh, that was one of those fights, again, where Linkner came in overweight, frankly didn't care, seemed like it, um, and just was too much. He's very, you know, the first round was kind of close, but he really started taking control in the second and third round. The third round was even taunting McCall, uh, sticking out his stomach, uh, making fun of the fact and pretty much mocking the fact that he came in overweight. He didn't care. Like, whatever. I do what I want. So, you know, mocked his, mocked his opponent. Uh, steadily landed shots. This was completely in control. Uh, now he's going to be pretty much forced to move up in weight. Uh, you know, there is no – he made the most sense in regards to being, you know, if he beat Ian McCall, maybe getting a shot because Demetrius Johnson's already beat John Dotson, already beat Joseph Benavidez, uh, Mayorga, so he's beaten him. I mean, everybody who they place in front of him, he's beaten. So, you know, Lakeman would have made sense. And even, you know, Johnson tweeted out after the fight that he was bombed that the guy can't make weight. So he's now going to be pretty much forced to move up to Bantam weight, whether he likes it or not, because the UFC cannot depend on him um, to really do that uh, in regards to making weight and making a fight for a championship fight, and he not make the weight. So... You know, that's tough. That's tough for him. And as far as Ian McCall goes, he's one of those guys he can disappear as far as I'm concerned. It seems like when fights, you know, he talks a lot of talk but doesn't back it up in fights, and he really did not back it up uh, there at the card at UFC 183. Somebody who did back it up, who I'm, I'm starting to become more and more impressed with, uh, in the middleweight division is Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson uh, beat Ed Herman and, and, and actually dropped him with a jab. So I don't know if Ed Herman's just gotten you know, punch drunk and weak, but he got dropped with a jab, uh, looked looked awesome out there uh, in the fight. You know, he's now picked up a little TKO win. He's now two in a row. I previously beat Lorenz Larkin here over the summer. Uh, you know, he's kind of he, – he has lost when he stepped up in competition, uh, you know, losing here in the UFC to Yoel Romero. Uh, also during the strike force days, lost to Jacare Souza. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he goes from here um, in the middleweight division. He is uh, not ranked yet uh, in regards to, you know, placement there. But you can see, I mean, 
it's going to be fights out there that make sense for him. Uh, he should be definitely be fighting a guy, I would say, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 at this point. He needs to get one of those guys to fight, you know, why not a C.B. Dalloway or Mark Munoz, Brad Tavares, Casa Tilipu, someone of those, you know, something like that should make sense for him next, uh, for him to get that natural progression and get in uh, into the top 15 and top 10 uh, conversation. But he looked good. Derek Brunson really looked good against Ed Herman. Uh, also, uh, someone else who um, who was actually looked, looked pretty good out there as well uh, was uh, Tiago Alves. Now, Tiago Alves was losing the fight early against Jordan Mean. Be clear, he was losing that fight. Um, mean was, you know, landing a lot of crisp, crisp shots, using his length uh, to his advantage. He was, a, you know, taller guy, longer, longer reach, really lanky kid. Um, looked good. Looked real good out there. Um, but second round came after a scramble. Boom, got hit with a, uh, a body kick uh, that Tiago Alves was able to land, dropped him. Uh, within seconds, and then that was it. It was, it was all she wrote. You know, to, you know uh, to, to Alvis' credit, he said afterwards, you know, uh, he's wanting to put everybody on notice in regards to uh, the welterweight division. So it, it'll be interesting to see what he goes from there uh, and how he goes about handling uh, the other people there within the division because at one time he was, a you know, a, a fairly highly ranked, well, hell, he fought for the title. Um Back uh, when uh, George St. Pierre was champion. Uh, so, I mean, he's fought for the title before. He's now ranked again in the top 15. So, you know, hell of a fighter. So, it's glad to see him back on the winning ways. Uh, another one, somebody else who keeps winning is Talis Latis. Talis Latis ended up winning it via triangle choke in the second round against Tim Boach. Talis Latis has now won eight straight fights. And I don't think that's something that people really have wrapped their head around quite yet is that he's won eight straight fights uh, really since that debacle that he had against Anderson Silva years back. Uh, and then uh, I think he lost another fight at that and got cut from the UFC. He's really turned things around and gotten his career back on track. They now have him ranked amongst the top ten in the middleweight division. And quite honestly, given how this division is playing out, he could be you know getting in, into a title shot or being in that conversation by years in, uh, quite honestly, because we don't know how things are going to shake up with injuries and uh, possible suspensions and, and guys going on tangents about how they're not going to fight uh, interim titles. So it'll be interesting to see, interesting to see what Tavis Latis gets offered next uh, because at the end of the day, you know, he's definitely going to get uh, a guy within the top uh, 10 for him to face next. But he looked good. I was quite impressed by him. Another guy I was impressed was Al Iaquinta uh, beating Joe Lozon. It was one of those fights that we kind of knew was going to be a, a crazy fight. Both men was, you know, throwing throwing shots, but Al Iaquinta was just a little bit more crisp, a little bit more heavy-handed. Uh, you know, he fought here, and he's already going to be back at fighting uh, here in, um, in April. He's already got his next fight book against Jorge Masvidal. I'll explain that a little bit later in the show, but uh, Al Iaquinta is looking good there within the lightweight division. Uh, and then maybe the, the, the shittiest fight of the night, let's just call it what it is, um, was Tyron Woodley versus Calvin Gastelum. Now, like I said, with Calvin missing weight the way he did was pretty bad. We weren't sure if the fight was even going to go on there for a stretch. You know, finally, Woodley agreed to, to take the fight. 
And, you know, after the weigh-in, that's when they're going to the hospital. And Matthew going to the hospital and getting four IVs. Uh, there was even rumor that he even went to the hospital prior to the weigh-in. Um, so he was sick. He was dehydrated. It, it was a lot of different things, you know. Still haven't got a, a really a lot of clarification in regards to what was wrong with him and why he came in so heavy and missed weight. But, you know, he missed, he missed the weight, and the fight in itself was just horrible. Um, Woodley, you know, the first round, the Boo Birds came out. Woodley just didn't want to seem like he went to press and try to attack and try to possibly wear him down. Um, you know, second round, he did throw some body shots, which I was impressed with. Um, you know, Gaslam kind of sort of got back in the fight in the third round um, to where it ended up being a split decision win. I thought it should have been a unanimous decision win. I thought he, you know, had did enough to win, but quite honestly, it was such a bad fight that I don't completely knock. I'm not going to throw the judge into the bus for this one because, you know, one judge saw it 30-27 for him. Another one saw it 29-28. Another one saw it 28-29 for, uh, for Gaslam, you know, giving him the edge. I, I, I could see that because there was just no action. You know, he never went to press. He didn't really go go at it like I thought he should or would go. So it was just poor, poorly put together, poorly fight. Uh, by, by both gentlemen, was we would later find out that Tyrone Woodley fought from, you know, a point in the first round going forward with a broke foot, you know, breaking his foot. Uh, so to his credit, got to give him, got to tip your hat and say, hey, he was tough for gutting it out there in that fight and actually fighting on. Uh, I will give him his credit there. The fight in itself sucked. But he had he had enough uh, you know toughness and wherewithal to stay active, to to keep pressing on. He didn't quit because of a broke foot. Uh, and if you haven't seen the X-rays, follow Tyrone Woodley at T Woodley on Twitter. Uh, he's got the X-ray up in, in the side by side of a swollen foot. You see that X-ray, and you see his foot, and it's like, my God, how did you continue to go? It, his foot is pretty much his mangled um, right now. So he's going to be obviously out of action for quite some time. Uh, you're probably looking at summertime before we see him back at it with that broke foot. Um, I think he's been suspended six months because of that at least. So we won't see Tyrone Woodley uh, in the welterweight title hunt mix any time, at least remotely soon until this summer uh, once his foot heals. Because a foot injury is one of those things you can't rush that back because your breakages in your foot, if you rush it back, you do too much on that foot before those bones are completely healed, you're going to break your foot again, and in some cases you'll break it worse and it'll become chronic. So it's going to be smart for him to listen to his doctors and stay off of his foot. Do not fight until that foot is healed up. Uh, that's what it is at the end of the day. It has to stay healthy. It has to get right uh, before he can get back to training and fighting. So, uh, And then you have the main event in itself, you know, Anderson Silva and Diaz. The fight was kind of, yeah, I don't even know how to explain that. It was one of those, it was very weird. Uh, Nick Diaz tried to taunt and tried to uh, to pull uh, Silva into his trap, but he, he couldn't. Silva was having no parts of it. Um, you know, the shots that Diaz did land, he landed some clean shots, didn't have enough pop behind him really to jar or knock down or, or remotely phase Anderson Silva. Now, he did get a couple of uh, – I had a couple of changes almost in each round to where they were – they kind of got tied up with the arms, and they would, you know, be clenching each other and then just punching each other rapidly in the face until one of them broke free. 
You know, during those exchanges, those were, you know, for the most part fairly even. Um, and he, he did get some clean shots in there, but still not enough to rattle or knock down Anderson Silva. Uh, him taking a, a lot of punishment to his left eye, it was pretty much banged up from the third round going forward, uh, was bleeding, and he was eating a lot of jabs to that side of the face. Uh, but, you know, to Nick Diaz's credit, Nick, Nick Diaz is crazy. He kept pushing on, kept fighting, um, but just didn't seem to have enough in the tank uh, once the fight was, you know, really he, he didn't, didn't – it wasn't so much enough in the tank. We rephrase that. It was most like more like both fighters didn't want to engage the other because they respected the other so much. You know, they neither neither one really knew how to approach the other one because they knew what they could do, and they were putting in, putting getting put in that situation. They make it counter, make it hurt. So Diaz didn't. You know, he taunted, but he never really pressed the action because he's more of a counter-striker anyway. Um, you know, Anderson never went for a takedown to try to get the fight to the ground for the most part because he knows that's where uh, Diaz has a strength. He's a great, um, you know, great guy, great Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy and can do a lot of things off of his back. So he didn't press the action in that, in that regard. So it made the fight really difficult to, to watch because it became a glorified sparring match for five rounds. Um, you know, besides, you know, the early action where, you know, Diaz is shaking his ass, laying on the ground, laying up against the cage, you know, mocking, trying to draw Silva in. It, it really had no action to it. So, you know, for those who bought the pay-per-view, I apologize because that was just not high-level fighting like I thought we were going to see uh, between those two. I thought we were going to see those two go to war, but we really didn't. Uh, one thing that was extremely annoying about the fight, especially if the fight was being called, was Joe Rogan, uh, pointing out at every opportunity possible that uh, when Anderson Silva was kicking with that broke leg or checking a kick or getting kicked on that broke leg, and he had to point that out every time uh, something was done with that leg. We got it, Joe. His leg was broken. He was fighting with her, getting kicked on it. We've moved on. Anderson obviously had no fear with it. He was still doing his thing with the leg. Very irritating that he was actually doing that the entire time uh, throughout the throughout the fight. Highly, highly irritating uh, him doing that. So, uh, you know, as far as what's going to be next for them, you know, with these drug tests coming back, we don't know when we're going to see him again. One thing Anderson Silva said that after the fight that you had to pay close attention to was, you know, he was going to go home and talk to his family. You know, his son begged him not uh, to come back and fight after he broke his leg. And he was really going to have to talk to his family about if he would fight and if he fought when, if ever again. You know, Dana White has said that, you know, he goes on out during the weekend and, and, and saying, you know, things about George St. Pierre and making a fight with George St. Pierre and, and Anderson Silva, which, you know, neither guy really seems to have much interest in that fight because, George St. Pierre is off, you know, he's still training, but he's healthy, but he's doing movies. He, he has no interest in coming back to MMA right now, and I honestly honestly think he won't come back to mixed martial arts, despite how much Dana White may say it, despite how much money they may try to throw at him. I don't see him coming back. I just don't. Um, you know, he's made his money. He's put his body on the line. He may not have any more reason to physically go out and fight anymore. Why? There's no point. So, I don't know what's next for Anderson Silva. 
Now, Nick Diaz has said after the fight he was tired of losing. This now actually makes his third straight fight he's lost. Now, granted, you have to keep in mind these fights he's lost are now being spread out over several years uh, due to his inactivity, but, you know, can he can he still put eyes on the television and butts in the seats? Absolutely. But Nick Diaz may be just a glorified gatekeeper at this point in his career. Uh, there within the welterweight or middleweight division, whatever division he wants to fight at. He just may be a glorified gatekeeper. Um, yes, we like his talk and what have you, but if you really look at Nick Diaz's resume over the course of the last couple of years, he really hasn't beat anybody top level. He really hasn't. I mean, that's not to throw shade on him, but he hasn't beat anybody top level. Now, if you say, well, he beat DJ Penn back in 2011, sure he did. But he beat a much – the B.J. Penn he beat was a B.J. Penn already on the downfall in 2011. Make no mistake about that. That B.J. Penn was on the downside. Uh, that's, you know, he had lost – he really – B.J. Penn had came up for a fight against John Finch, which was a draw, which I, a lot of people thought uh, Fitch won. Uh, but then he fought Nick Diaz, got beat up. Got beat up against Roy McDonald, and got TKO'd against Frankie Edgar. So the BJ Penn and Nick Diaz fought was a shell of himself. Stop it. So you look at that fight, and that's really his. That was his first fight back in the UFC after uh, being gone for five years. Beyond that, his other fights in the UFC has all been lost. A loss to Carlos Condon, a loss to George St. Pierre, and now a loss to Anderson Silva. He's had four fights here in the UFC in the last four years. Crazy as that sounds. Uh, four fights in four, uh, four years, and he's only won one. And he beat that against a smaller uh, guy who was over the hill and, and had no business still fighting at that point. So, you know, you really look at Nick Diaz's resume, it's not that great as people want to make it out to be. Um, sure, he was the Strike Force champion, but who did he really beat in Strike Force? The Paul Danny fight, I will say, was a, was a great fight. K.J. Nunes, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. And even uh, more, uh, uh, Zamaskis at that time, uh, when he beat Zamarcus, Zamarcus, I'm misenunciating it there. But when he beat them, okay, I'll, I'll give you those wins. But Scott Smith, Thomas Denny, uh, 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 a damaged Frank Shamrock, I mean, come on. Like, those, those don't help your resume. Uh, and eventually, Chisantos, uh, Sakurai, you know, over in um, Japan. Again, somebody else over the hill. So, Nick Diaz really isn't, you know, people like watching Nick Diaz fight and the build-up to the fight because he can talk that talk. But at the end of the day, he's just not that good in regards to these fights against top-level guys. And... I don't know when people are going to start really focusing on, in on that and understanding that, that he's just not that great against top-level guys. So as far as him getting any sort of title shot anytime soon, no way in hell that will happen. Three fights in a row you've lost, there's no way that will happen. Uh, he did say he did feel comfortable fighting in middleweight, not having to worry about cut the weight. But you look at the middleweight division, I'm sorry, there's really nobody in the top ten I see him beating the fight with Nick, uh, with Michael Bisping would be interesting, especially trying to start leading up to it. That could be an interesting fight. But really beyond that, maybe C.B. Dalloway he beats, maybe Brad Tavares. 
could be interesting to get tough with Philippus and Mark Munoz. But, I mean, we're talking about guys now in the, the, the bottom 15 of the, of the top 15 rankings. So I don't know what you do with Nick Diaz next. If you put him back in the welterweight division, you know, where do you exactly put him uh, in regards to that division? So, I don't know. It's going to be real tricky to see what they do with Nick Diaz, but it's also going to be real tricky to see when he actually comes back uh, doing him being suspended. So we'll see, man. This is just crazy. But UFC 183 was, was interesting in a lot of regards, and, and it's still going to be more backlash to be felt after that. Um, after all that went down, so with the drug test and all that, so interesting, interesting, interesting. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break, and when I come back, I'll have my interview with Colton Smith of Titan FC. Again, he'll be fighting here on Titan FC 33 next month. So uh, I will, I'm going to take a short break, I'll rest my voice for a second, and I'll be back with the interview with Colton Smith. Just blaze. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Uh, All the girls see them. Look at his kicks. Look at his car. All I say is, look, mommy, I'm no good. I'm so hood. Clap at your soldier. Sober. That means after it's over. Killer. I'm not your companion. Or your man standing. Don't hit me when you want to get rammed in. I be scrambling. Right. With lots of mobsters. Shot for lobsters. Cops and robbers. Listen, every block is blocked. Blocked she liked the way I did he bop. You peep that. Make one more kicks. Plus Chanel ski hat. She wants the so I give her the. Now she's screaming out. Yeah, she's playing with herself. Can't dig it out. Lift her up. Mine's just a fuck. Yo, get it out. Pick one up. They want the boy Montana with guns with bandanas. Listen to my homeboy. I'm telling ya. Put a shell in ya. Now we bleeding. Get him. Had to play some Cameron because it's Cameron's birthday. Anybody who knows me well enough knows. Huge friend of Cameron, Dipset. Uh, you know what it is. Trust me, when the new music drops, you'll be hearing that throughout the commercial breaks here on Punch the Face Radio. But glad you're here with us. Uh, feel free to call into the show at area code 718-508-9852. And as well, tweet me throughout the show at punch underscore the number two, the face. And email me if you're shy at brandon at punch the number two, the face. Dot com. So I had an opportunity to interview Colton Smith of Titan FC. Now, Colton Smith is a, uh active-duty military guy. He's currently still active-duty. Now, granted, uh, he's, you know, I don't want to say on leave or exactly what's the terminology on it, but right now he's able to have more time to physically focus on his MMA career. Uh, we all got familiar with Colton uh, during his time being on the Ultimate Fighter uh, Season 16 you know, ultimately being the winner, beating Mike Ricci uh, there on the show. So he, uh, you know, he had some time there uh, with the UFC. Uh, and, and he, you know, and in my interview with him, he talked about uh, why things didn't maybe work out the way he thought they could have or maybe should have uh, during that time frame. So really interesting interview with him. Uh, he's also going to be fighting here, like I said, Titan FC here next month. And being a part of Aerofest, which is, you know, something is kind of, it's as they have the hashtag, it's partying with a purpose uh, to bring awareness and celebrate America's veterans and doing something for them uh, there 
weekend down in Mobile, Alabama. So he talks about uh, why it's important to be a part of that as well. Uh, so here is my interview with Colton Smith of Titan FC here on Punch to the Face Radio. All right, here on Punch to the Face Radio, we are joined here live by Colton Smith, who will be competing here at Titan FC 33. Uh, Colton, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing very good. Getting ready to go training. Feeling great for this fight. Can't wait to get back on the horse, brother. Well, right on. Now, it's been... It's been about eight months since fans seen you last, so, uh, you know, during that time since your departure from the UFC, what's been going on? Yeah, I had a, I had a surgery, I had to get knocked out, something that I've been uh, leaving, uh, leaving go for a long time, uh, healing up from that, moving back up a weight class, back where I had my success at a welterweight, and uh, just being a student of the game, getting my fire back, you know, and uh, just uh, dedicating myself as much as possible as far as you know, training goes and being a good teammate to the other fighters that have fights coming up. Well, absolutely. Now, as you stated, you know, it's been a, you know coming off an injury, but you're also coming off a three-fight skid uh, there uh, through, with the UFC. You know, have you changed up anything here in the time away to kind of prepare yourself better here for Titan FC 33, or is it just kind of more of a mental thing? You know, a lot of it was a mental block. Uh, as far as training goes and stuff like that, I've always been one of those guys that's uh, done very successful in the gym and, you know, had some success as well, obviously, the ultimate fighter winning the, winning the show uh, in decisive fashion over uh, Titan FC's golden boy, Mike Ritchie. Um, you know, but I have changed a lot of things in my training as well as my mental preparation as well. Uh, you know, and also moving back up to, to 170 is, uh, is definitely a good move for me. I talked to my coaches, Greg Jackson, Tim Kennedy, and uh, the guys at Fort Hood, and and they all, you know, they're the ones that all thought I should have stayed at 170 in the first place. Uh, I let people get in my head a little too much about going to 55. Uh, hindsight's 20-20, bro, not making any excuses. You know, I had some poor performances in the last couple fights. I didn't perform up to my potential, but, you know, that's all behind me. I'm ready to, you know, show the world where I truly belong in the mixed martial arts community. Now, is Welterweight going to be where you're going to pretty much stay at the, the remainder of your career as far as you see, or is it just going to be for the next couple of fights and then kind of see how you feel from there? Uh, I walk around anywhere from 205 to 210 when I'm on full feet and feeling healthy. So, uh, you know, 55 is just a little too much. If there was, you know, kind of like you know, Nick Diaz talk about it, there's a 163 pound weight class out time, you about perfect. But, you know, I'll keep getting my size up, you know, keep building. I'm big on strength conditioning now. So, uh, I really truly believe, you know, 175 is be where I'm going to stay the rest of my career. Now, you're going to be facing an undefeated opponent in uh, Bilal Muhammad. Now, have you guys done any sort of early scouting on him, or have you seen any kind of tape on him to kind of prepare yourself, or is it still a little bit early? Yeah, Titan gave me a couple of opponents. Uh, I said yes to all of them, you know, before I called Greg Jackson or, or uh, Tim Kennedy. Uh, you know, I'm not one of those guys that's going to pick a fight. Uh, you know, the way I look at it, Titan, their matchmaker, uh, same as Joe Joseph with the UFC. Whoever they say I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight. You know, I'm not one of those guys that's going to, you know, pick and choose and a fight to me, but... With that being said, after watching uh, uh, Muhammad's, uh, you know, his fights and stuff like that, previous fights, obviously a talented guy, a, a top prospect coming up and coming, but he's never fought anybody my caliber, and uh, that's not me being, you know, cocky or anything like that or conceited. That's just the truth, and, and you know, I'm sure he shares the same sentiment. It's a big jumping competition for him as well, so I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a great fight for not only the fans, not only for Titan FC, but as well as the reason why we're there, which is for the veterans. 
Yeah, absolutely, which is you know something I was going to ask you about. You know, you being a, a military vet yourself, how important is it to you to, to not only, you know, fight on this car, to be a part of that uh, AeroFest is going to be going down that same weekend, uh, March 20th? You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a perfect opportunity for me. Um, you know, I, I want to. I have a fight three weeks before that as well. Um, you know, so it's, it's just kind of a not a stepping stone by any means. Cause I love Titan. I love to be in Titan. You know, it's to continue uh, my run in Titan. I have no problem with that. I'm not one of those guys that's gonna say, you know, I'm looking at this fight. I win decisively. They'll be back in the you know the UFC or whatnot. Titan's a huge organization. Do a lot of good things. They support their fighters. They support their fans, obviously, as, as well as. Uh, they love veterans, which is a big thing for me. I'm active duty, you know. I'm one of the only active duty guys that has been at the top level while on active duty. And I'm just I'm thrilled to be able to fight in front of, you know, wounded veterans as well as active duty service members. And each and every fight that I fight, it's for the active duty service members that are fighting for our, our country overseas uh, day in and day out, whether it be Afghanistan, Iraq, or other hostile environments that not a lot of people know we're at. Absolutely. Now, you know, even, you know, with you, you're fighting here during that weekend. Do you think you have any sort of distractions with, like you said, with you being active duty and you're being around uh, veterans and and we're, you know, all there for that cause? Is that going to be any sort of distraction for you going up to the fight, or is it just going to be all business and after the fight you're going to focus on it, talking and hanging out with those people while down there in Mobile? I'll be honest. Fight week, I'm going to be doing the same thing. I'm going to be, you know. Uh, Visiting the soldiers, visiting the, the, the sailors, the airmen, the marines, you know, that's, that's something that I love, and I feel like that's going to be fuel for me, that, you know, there's nothing negative about that, you know, you focus on the fight and all that, but fighting, fighting isn't, uh, it's not life or death, it's not war, it's not combat, you hear some guys talk about, I'm going to war tonight, you're not going to war, there's a referee there's going to stop it if something gets out of hand, so I just look at it as something that's fun to do, step in the cage with another man, the cage door closed. And find out who the best man is that evening. And uh, unfortunately for Muhammad, you know, I got a lot of battle uh, buddies and a lot of service members that are going to be there cage side, and I'll be feeling off of them, off of their excitement. So, you know, it's going to be a pretty positive uh, environment for me. Absolutely. Now, the funny thing you said that, how annoying do you find it when you hear guys saying they're about to go to war, they're about to go to battle, when they're referring to a fight when you've actually literally been in wars and been in battles? Do you kind of find that to be somewhat annoying? Or just you kind of look past it, you know, and understand why they're saying it, but still think it's a little bit ignorant on their end. No, you know, uh, everybody has battles in their life, you know, and if that's their their uh, their pinnacle of their life, and that's the battle that they're in, then I get that, I understand that. I have been in combat, I have been in real battles, I've been in firefights, I've been on the front line, uh, served our country, so I- I've seen war and war is hell. Uh, fighting in a cage against another man is in hell. It's it's great. I love it. Um, you know, previous fights, I've been almost, uh, I mean, almost the point where I can almost fall asleep before the fight. That's been a problem I've, I've battled is, uh, you know, make sure that I'm up like it is a firefighter, like it is war. You know, so, no, I have no ill will towards anybody that says that, and I don't wish them to go to war either. I, you know, I, it's not, it's not made for, you know, everybody's not made for war, everybody's not made for the military. So, you know, I understand every person has their own, um, you know, version of war in their lives, whether it be, you know, fighting growing up or, you know, fighting in a cage or fighting downrange in uh, Iraq or Afghanistan. Now, the last question I'll get you out on here is this. Now, with being on The Ultimate Fighter, and in your case even winning, is being on that show somewhat a gift and a curse? Because it seems it's been a lot of mixed results uh, for a lot of the contestants and the winners of the show post Ultimate Fighter finale. Is that something that you can kind of look at as being a gift and a curse for the fighters and the participants? 
Of course, you know, there's a lot expected out of an individual that wins that show because it is arguably the, the, the hardest mixed martial arts tournament in the world. You know, I mean, look at the guys that I fought on the show. I fought a dude, uh, Eddie Ellen, 50 pro fights, my first fight. You know, I was like five and one going into the show. And I fought a dude with 50 pro fights, like, my, oh, my first fight to get in the house, the guy was eight and oh. Next guy was, had 50 pro fights, like 35 and 15. The guy after that was 26 and six, Igor Adahuju. I beat him as well, and he's still in the UFC, doing very well. And then I beat John Manley, Semis, and Mike Ritchie in the finale. And, you know, there's mixed results. There's guys like Neil Magny on my show who Mike Ritchie knocked out, and he's, you know, 5-0 in the UFC the past five fights. Igor's 3-0, I believe, in the UFC. You know, there's a lot of guys that have success after the show, whether they win or not. And, you know, it's kind of like how you deal with the spotlight. You know, some of that did get to me, uh, some of the spotlight. And, again, like I said, I had a lot of, a lot of pressure against me to move down to 55. Uh, from a lot of people, and uh, I, I, I took it. I thought it was right, a right decision at the time. So there is a lot of expectations for you as a fighter, but for me, I've never been a full-time fighter until recently. You know, I'm still active in military, but I'm able to train quite a bit now. And that's something I've never really had as a full-time fighting experience. Uh, so it's a little different for me. I think I'm in a different situation. I'm still growing as a mixed martial artist. I definitely haven't hit my peak yet. You know, I just turned 27, so I got plenty of time in this fight game. I got plenty of miles left on the tank. So I'm excited to see where it takes me. Whether I'm in Titan or wherever I go from there. Well, absolutely, Colton. Well, definitely get, let the fans know where they can follow you on social media, website to kind of keep tabs up with you with your training heading into Titan FC. Sponsors helping you get prepared here for the fight. The only thing long time sponsor, I want to thank Torque, I want to thank Alienware. Uh, I want to thank uh, ML Management, my management team. You know, Tina Vidal, she's been amazing. Ron Foster. I also want to thank my my, uh, my main training camp. You know, I want to thank well, number one, I want to thank Jackson, MMA, and then uh, most importantly, I want to thank the Fortnite Combative School at Fort Hood, the Fortnite Fight House. We got a great thing going on right now there with a three-time All Army champion. We got some killers on the mat. Central Texas, we're putting them on the map. I'm telling you right now. So, I want to thank all my training partners and all the gyms that allow me to come cross train, and all, you know, all my coaches, all my fans, all my haters, everybody. I want to thank everybody. Most importantly, I want to thank Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and all the soldiers downrange fighting for our country. Absolutely, Colton. We appreciate you taking out time with the Zero Punch the Face Radio. We'll see you on March 20th, uh, Titan FC 33. Uh, best of luck, man. And, again, we appreciate all that you've done here for the country as being a military guy. We do appreciate it, and thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Have a great night. All right, you too. Again, big thank you to Colton Smith. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Colton Smith MMA. Uh, and keep tabs up with him. Uh, gotta say, America. Just gotta say, America. In that regard, how can you not like the guy? I mean, he he admitted, you know, to maybe his wrongdoings and his shortcomings during his time there at the UFC. Uh, you know, he made no excuses, but said, you know, when he dropped down the weight, was probably not the smartest of all ideas. But 
you know, like he said, it, which happened. Uh, it was. It, this is why I like asking these these gentlemen who have been a part of the Ultimate Fighter series is, you know, is it is it a gift and a curse? And, and who better to tell you that than a guy who actually has won a season? Uh, in his case, he just won a season here uh, a few years ago. And you know, like he said, it was it, it just wasn't probably a good idea to drop in the weight. Should have stayed there well to wait. He's going to be fighting now 170 going forward. Uh, you can see him, like I said, tighten up C33 here in March. Uh, big news from them uh, this week is that they're going to have their weigh-in live on a freaking battleship, okay? So Titan FC is really – I, I got to tip my hat, so they're really trying to pull out all the stops uh, in regards to this. When they're going to have their weigh-in on um, on February – excuse me, on uh, March 19th, and it's going to be live from the USS Alabama. Uh, that's going to take place on the – in March, on March 19th, and that's going to actually be on the battleship there, and they're going to have VIP activities for uh, before the weigh-in there on the ship. Well, obviously, they're going to be doing a lot of things with the uh, veterans during their time there, but, yes, their weigh-in is going to be on a freaking battleship. And how cool is that? Uh, so hopefully, you know, one thing, the, the only catch, catch and caveat to that is let's make sure that that weather holds up for them down there, doesn't get crazy, and uh, they can do everything big out there uh, in the in the beautiful uh, sea there on the, the battleship there in Mobile, Alabama, on a freaking battleship. Like, how, how pimp is that? Like, UFC hasn't done that. Granted, they've done arenas, you know, that's eh, nothing special. Battleship, folks. Do it on a freaking battleship. Love it. So, uh, like I said, make sure you follow Colton Smith uh, here, uh, Colton Smith MMA on Twitter. Uh, and is you know he, he lists all his other things there as well, and, and and keep the tabs up with him heading in here to the fight. And next week we'll have on the show Super Duper Bobby Cooper. Uh, Bobby Cooper is going to be fighting also the Titan FC card here, Titan FC 33 uh, against um, Lavelle Simpson, who we've also had on the show as well uh, before his last fight out. So uh, we'll probably be talking to Lavelle here soon as well. He's talking to a lot of guys. Uh, here from the Titan FC card, but talk to Super Duper Bobby Cooper. Uh, very interesting interview, and, and the guy taking a sh- uh, fight on short notice, and he explains on how the fight got booked uh, for him to fight at Titan FC uh, here next month. Very interesting interview uh, with Super Duper Bobby Cooper uh, of Glory MMA here, where I'm from in Kansas City. A lot, they got a lot of guys fighting here. They got uh, Tim Elliott will be fighting here next next week on one of the UFC fight nights. So they've got a lot going on there. Uh, Tim Elliott is actually on a card that he's that, that's actually a card that's not being canceled, not being uh, shifted or plugged or you know changed around or anything like that. Um, it's been a really weird uh, last four to five days in regards to injuries for the UFC and guys getting shifted around. Now. This is virtually a, a merry-go-round of people who were in and out of fights and um, a lot of the shifting and moving that's going on. Now, I'm actually going st- not, not to start off with the UFC. I'm actually going to start off here with a Bellator. A Bellator sent us out an email here to the press uh, yesterday in regards to uh, a shift in their card here for next week. Next week. I want you to keep that in mind. So this is a shift in their card here for next week. So they're going to have a, their fight card, uh, Alexander Shlomenko versus Mevin Manhoff. That'll be on uh, Spike TV here next Friday. So they sent out an email to us here yesterday 
that uh, uh, Tali uh, Talta Tali Talatia Nagara, uh, female uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu specialist. Um, she's six and zero. Was scheduled to fight Julia Budd. Uh, Julia Budd was finally going to be make, making her uh, Bellator debut here uh, for the women's division. The Bellator brought back here uh, late last year when Scott Coker took over the reins, but she got injured. So taking the fight here, mind you, the, the notice just went out to us here yesterday. So I don't know if she agreed to pot it here Tuesday, Monday night, but literally the week and a half out. Let's just say that a week and a half out um, is uh, Gabriella Holloway. I guess you mean Gabriella Holloway. Now she is four and zero. She's out of um, Virginia. She's also, uh, you know, she's four and zero, but you know, not not heavy on experience. In regards to fights, you know, compared to Julia Budd, who's six and two, but has mixed it up with a couple of bigger names there within the sport. But this is, you know, this is Holloway's chance. Now, I did reach out uh, to uh, Gabrielle here earlier today uh, to see if we can actually get her on the show here tonight, but she can't. She's actually still working her day job uh, as a uh, works. I don't know exactly what her title is, but she works at a police station or as a police officer or a correctional officer. But she's doing something at a jail. Of some sort, so she works in the jail, and she said that you know she she can't have her phone out in the in the in that regards because she'll actually still have to uh, work. She's having to work. So here's somebody who's still working their job, and they're about to have the biggest fight in, of their career here next week. Still working their day job. So uh, shout out to uh, Gabrielle Holloway. Make sure you give her a follow on Twitter, and let me make sure I get this right. Follow her on Twitter at Gabby Gabinator. So G-A-B-D-Y-G-A-B-A-N-A-T-O-R on Twitter. So go give uh, Gabrielle Holloway a follow. Uh, show her some support. Tweet her uh, some positive thoughts because she's about to, you know, she's sending her against Julia, but very accomplished fighter um, in her regards. I mean, great, Julia's only got, you know, a handful of more fights in her. But, you know, but again, Morgan Veteran has been around a little bit longer compared to uh, Gabrielle. So wish her the best of luck. Uh, and you got to definitely commend her and tip your hat to her for taking a fight on short notice like this. So anytime anyone takes a fight on short notice, I definitely show them love and show them support. So make sure you go and follow her. Now, in regards to some of the other changes here in, in here and really in the UFC, because that's, that's what we got. We've got a lot of shifting and changing in a ridiculously short amount of time. So I'm going to try my best not to confuse anyone as I go through all of these because, trust me, I was going through all of this and it was confusing me, and I do this for a living. All right, let's first start off here with, we're going to do this in order of people who are now, as the cards go. And you'll kind of notice the pattern here as I'm going off doing these things. So next week... Benson Henderson is stepping in for Stephen Thompson, who's hurt. So Benson Henderson is now going to be facing Brandon Thatch as the main event, their UFC fight night in Bloomfield, Colorado. Now, this fight is going to be a welterweight, so Benson Henderson is moving up in weight to fight Brandon Thatch then. Also, that same card, uh, Tiago Tavares is out. He was supposed to fight Nick Lentz. So taking the fight here on about three weeks' notice, is uh, Levine um, Mas- Mascahavi? Mascahavi? I'm not saying that right. 
he's going to just he's taking um, uh, Tavares' place is actually fighting Nick Lynch. So that's there. Now, that card also, <laughs> the card already has some shifting on it because earlier this, or last month, this time last month, the main event was supposed to be a welterweight battle between Matt Brown and Tarek Safadine. Well, uh, Safadine got hurt, uh, hurt his groin. Uh, Brown got pulled from the card altogether because he's now going to be fighting Johnny Hendricks at UFC 185. So that's one shift there. So that's for that card here on the 14th. So let's see if there's another injury and more shifting on this card between now and next Wednesday's show. Very possible it could be. We'll see. So there's that. So that's now headlined by Benson Henderson, Brandon Thatch, and Welterweight. So Benson Henderson is going to be fighting at Welterweight against Brandon Thatch. Don't know if this is a permanent move up. We don't know. We do know he went immediately back. Another fight after that very controversial loss on the card to Donald Cowboy Cerrone here last month. So there's that. So that's there at, at that card. <laughs> the next card that actually has some issues is UFC 184. Now, UFC 184 uh, is going down here uh, February 28th uh, from L.A. Uh, but that fight card will go down. Now, uh, the shifting here is really interesting. Chris Wyman ended up having a rib injury, which gets him pulled from the card altogether. So he's off the card. Vitor Belfort may stay on the card. Now, this is supposed to be the main event for the middleweight championship. Vitor Belfort may stay on the card, but, well, maybe not. Vitor Belfort has made demands in regards to fighting, pretty much. Pretty much saying he's not going to fight anyone for an interim title belt, and he really isn't interested in fighting anyone in this fight. He wants it to be for a middleweight championship fight, whoever he fights, whenever he fights him. Now, it's rumored that Chris Weidman may not be able to fight, and this fight may not go down until May. May. We're in February. Now, Vitor Belfort hasn't physically fought since November of 2013. So we're looking at already over a year, and we're looking at then over a year and a half. Um, you know, a year and a half for him fighting if he waits until May for this fight to happen. If it can happen, then it may. There's already some cards uh, setting up in regards to John Jones and um, uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson fighting in May, the end of May, at a UFC event in Vegas then. So would you put those two guys on the same card, put those two title fights, or do you put, you stretch that out and try to maximize your main event and your dollars because, let's face it, you're going to have more injuries. Doubt you see that fight in May, you're more likely looking at June or even July. For that. So there's that. So Vito Belfort, we don't know if he's going to be fighting here in three weeks or not. I'm going to lean towards no. Okay. Then, so, so now the new main event of UFC 184 is now going to be Ronda Rousey versus Kat Zingano. Your new co-main event is now Ra- Raquel Pennington versus Holly Holm. Now, I don't completely hate this fight. Don't, don't get me wrong. I actually really like the fight. It just doesn't make sense as being a co-main event for a pay-per-view. Uh, Holly Holm is going to be making her UFC, UFC debut, um, former professional uh, women's boxing champion. Um, you know, can, may help, but for the most part, American women boxing isn't huge here in America to where she's going to bring that many more eyes in there if you put her in the co-main. Uh, for Raquel Pennington, uh, she's going to be, because she's coming up from when she had a, a very sick bulldog choke of uh, Ashley Evans-Smith here at UFC 181 here 
uh, first week of December of last year. Looked fantastic in that fight. But before that, she's coming off of a loss. Um, so it's not like she's been winning gangbusters and is on a great winning streak and you're putting her in a co-main event. Don't really understand that there. Now, uh, originally, Frank Mir and Antonio Silva were supposed to be on this card, but ended up getting moved up to uh, UFC Fight Night, which is a week prior. So, again, you move that fight because you had your two championship fights, and then, boom, Weidman gets hurt, and now your co-main really isn't that great of a co-main event. Staying with me here, folks? Joe's just really getting insane. All right, now, also on that card is uh, Jacare Souza's now out. He was set to face uh, Yoel Romero. Uh, Souza is hurt. He hurt his, uh, he came down with pneumonia, so he's out. Uh, so that fight itself has just completely been scrapped. Uh, Yoel Romero is completely off the card. Okay? Again, also here on the same card, again, more ships. Uh, Yancey Metatoris, Metatoris, I know I'm probably missing that scene name, uh, Yancey, I apologize. He is out of his fight. He was set to face uh, Tony Ferguson, but um, he got knocked out here last week, we found out. So Tony Ferguson is now going to be facing Gleason Tebow. UFC 184 seems like it's going to be jinxed because already it's got a lot of bad karma around it, a lot of injuries, a lot of shifting, if you're following me there. So we've got fights that got moved, fights that now get canceled. We don't know what the hell Vitor Belfort is going to do. Now, obviously, Vitor Belfort stays on the card. You would assume his fight would be the co-main. But at this rate, kind of hearing him talk, don't think he has any interest in, it, interest in fighting that fight. So that's here at the end of February. Now, granted, all of these shifts and these injuries and these changing bouts have all came here within the last four to five days. Okay? Crazy. Now, the next shifting in regards to fights actually didn't happen until uh, today. Uh, when uh, Rapio Asensio ended up getting hurt here earlier this week, um, so they were looking for a replacement for Yara Faber here uh, when the news broke yesterday. Uh, but they couldn't find a replacement, so Uriah Faber, Rafael Asensio, has now been completely scrapped. So that fight will not go down here on March 21st, the UFC fight night down in Brazil. Instead, it's now going to be headlined by Damian Maia versus Ryan LaFlair. So that's now been bumped up to the main event. Now, I did see some people on Twitter uh, thrashing this card and saying, oh, that's not a main event fight. Well, granted, it's not a main event fight, but it's also a fight night card. So you're not going to get, like, a championship fight on a fight night card. The card itself is actually really solid. Uh, Josh Thompson versus Gilbert Burns. Uh, Eric Silva versus Ben Saunders is highly interesting. Uh, Andrew Dover's on the card. Amanda Nunes is on the card. Andrew Philly's on the card. Uh, Shayna Baszler versus uh, Amanda Nunes on, on the card as well. So, I mean, it's, it's a solid card for being a fight night card. And really, the Silva-Ben Saunders fight will more than likely steal the show. Putting that out there right now, keep in mind that's not until March. But, hey, so favor completely off the card. We don't know when he's going to get rescheduled for another fight. Um, Rafael Asensio's injured, so we don't know what will happen with him if they'll even uh, schedule this fight for down the line. So that's in March. Again, keep in mind, all these shifts have happened this week. Um, then there's Jorge Marsvidal. Jorge Marsvidal is pretty much left without an opponent. Uh, now he's been twice. Uh, first, he was initially supposed to fight Bobby Green. Then Bobby Green got hurt, put out the gruesome photos of his knee surgery here last week on social media. So we found out last week Bobby Green out. Okay. 
Vincent Henderson ends up stepping up, and he's going to take the fight against Jorge Masvidal. Well, that was great. It's going to be a great fight there in the lightweight division. Uh, we thought that would be an awesome fight, you know, for about the four or five days we knew about the fight, and we hyped about it. And then Vincent Henderson is getting moved off of that card to face Brandon Thatch and moving up to welterweight. So then they left Jorge Masvidal again with no opponent. Now, during that time frame when he was looking for an opponent here for about maybe, I don't know, 16, maybe not even that, maybe seven, eight hours. I'll, I'll go that time frame. Seven, eight hours here on Monday, um, Monday or Tuesday. I'm getting my days confused here. I want to say it was uh, yesterday, uh, Tuesday, that he was looking for an opponent. You know, he's tweeting out to uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone and hopes he's getting a fight with him, seeing if he can talk to Donald Cowboy Cerrone into a fight. Uh, won't happen. He's actually going to get Al Iaquinta, who was just victorious here this past weekend at UFC 183. So Jorge Masvidal has gotten in the last two weeks three opponents. First, Bobby Green, which he thought he was going to be fighting here. Uh, he was known about that fight about maybe three weeks to a month. So it's going to be first Bobby Green, then Vincent Henderson, now Al Iaquinta. All of these shifts and all these injuries have happened in, like I said, a, a five-day span tops that all this is shaken out to where people are getting moved and shift and these cards are getting adjusted. This just proves the point to where we've been saying here now the past year or two years, the UFC is doing too many events, they're spreading their talent pool too thin, and you're going to get lower quality fights or you're going to get guys trying to rush back to get extra fights to make the money, and their performances are going to suck or they're going to get hurt. I kind of fear that may happen with... Vincent Henderson, with him taking the fight here on short, you know, he was already going to be fighting in April. That would have made more sense. Would have gave his time, body more time to recover, um, got his head a little bit more clear after that loss to Donald Cowboy Cerrone. But he's not. He's going to now be fighting next week. So he's going to be fighting within a month span two, uh, two times. And he's going to be fighting in a different division here fighting at welterweight. I, I can't even explain... Uh, you know, it's just it's strange, but I, I hey, more power to them in that regards. But we're we're really seeing that talent pool of the USC getting spread thin, and you're having these, these things happen. The, you know, when the injury bug hits, it hits, and, it, and it, when it, you know the saying is, when it rains, it pours. It'll be interesting to see here between now and next week's show who else gets hurt and what other shifts are going to be made in regards to the the cards and who's fighting who and who's fighting who where. But that's as far as what it stands right now. So, you know, the next you know, six out of the next eight UFC cards have had a lot of shifting, moving around because of injuries. But hey, that's neither here nor there. So there is all of that uh, broke, broke down for you here uh for all the, the injuries and, and who's fighting who over the next couple of months for the UFC and the, the updated card. So there is that. Uh, otherwise than that, uh, that's pretty much all we have for this week's show. Um, next week's Valentine's Week show, and we're going to – the tradition here is, you know, last year we had a Shannon App president of Titan F, excuse me, of Invicta FC on the show. Uh, she was my Valentine's Day guest, and I appreciate her coming on. This year, we're going to do a little bit different. We're actually going to have four female fighters all on the show next week. Um, I'm going to be first be joined by Leslie Smith. I'm going to be joined by Tanya Avenger. Um, I got a whole list of them that I'm going to be joined by here, so give me a second here. 
So we've got all right, this is what we're gonna have people line up for next week. We'll have first uh Leslie Smith will be joining us. Uh then Megan Goodwin. Excuse me, uh <laughs> goes Leslie Smith, Tanya Averager, then Megan Goodwin, and then uh, Amanda Bradshaw. Uh all all female fighters. Uh you know, Leslie Smith obviously with the UFC, uh Tanya Avenger, uh Megan and uh Miss Bradshaw are all for uh Invicta F C. Uh, get their take on why they're not a part of this Invicta FC card here uh, later this month uh, and their takes, all their women's takes here in regards to the growth of the women's divisions and the various organizations and women's place in MMA right now uh, and just really pretty much any other things that are on their mind. Tiny Avenger is extremely opinionated, so that's going to be fun uh, in regards to talking to her. And, and everybody knows I'm a huge Leslie Smith fan. Uh, that's one fighter who brings it. Fight in, fight out. So, looking forward to next week's Valentine's Day show. Um, you know, with that being said, with me having a Valentine's Day show, I, I guess I could right now give a quick breakdown of what I see happening here. Uh, you got two fights uh, next week. Well, you got a couple of fights next week. You got World Series of Fighting 12. It'll go down. Uh, Marm Moraes will be defending his belt against uh, Josh Hall up in Canada. Uh, Melvin Manhoff versus uh, Alexander Shemenko. You'll have Legacy Fighting also that same night. Um, hmm. Actually, looking at the calendar, I have to stand corrected. Next Thursday is when the World Series of Fighting is going to happen. I, I honestly just I didn't notice that and didn't even pay any attention. So World Series of Fighting is actually going to be on a Thursday. And it will be live on CBS Sports Network uh, next Thursday night. Um Wow, shows you how little I pay attention to this stuff. Uh, yeah, Mario Maurice versus Josh Hall, um, that's on the card, and that's really the truly really notable fight. However, Cody McKenzie, who had taken a brief retirement, is actually coming out of retirement, uh, is fighting uh, Andrew McNeese there on the card. That'll be on the uh, streaming portion of the card. Um, the local fights, wow. That's that's quite interesting. Now, the, the Cody McKenzie, and I'm just looking at my press release here from the World Series of Fighting. The Cody McKenzie fight there for Titan FC is actually not going to air on television. It's actually going to be prelims after the main card. Now, the way the main card is going to break down is the main card is going to start at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central uh, on NBC Sports Network, and they're going to have four fights then. Prior to that, they're going to have a preliminary card on WorldSeriesOfFighting.com starting at um, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, where it'll be two fights. Um, so two fights on the, on the prelims before the, the main card. And then after the main card ends, they're going to have three more fights featuring what they call local feature fights streaming on WorldSeriesOfFighting.com. I am wow. Huh. Yeah. I didn't even really focus on that. So that's next Thursday. So World Series of Fighting is next Thursday. Uh, like I said, really the only fight there that of really any interest is going to be the, the uh, Moraes-Josh Hill fight for uh, Moraes' championship. And then uh, Friday we'll have, obviously, um, Bellator is going to be highly interesting with next weekend with the with uh, Alexander Shemenko versus Melvin Manhoff. I'm just going to be honest. If this is Alexander Shemenko's last stand. He's even so he's talking about possibly dropping down the world to weight. You know, he's not 
He showed when he fought Tito Ortiz and moved up to light heavyweight. He has no business trying to move up in weight. Moving down away may be his best bet. Um, if he gets knocked out here, it's it's a wrap for him. And I don't know. It will pretty much if, if Bellator keeps him, he'll be uh, you know gatekeeper status. He may be able to go over back over his home, uh, you know over to Russia, fight there and can get some fights and get some wins. But he's not going to get the top level competition he would get here in the states. So it's a must win for him next week against uh, Melvin Manhoff. But that's a that's a tough out because both these guys are going to swing for the fences. Uh, Shemenko's best bet is actually going to be trying to take the fight to the ground, but we know Shemenko probably won't do that. Um, also on the card, a very interesting featherweight bout in regards to some, who's going to be fighting where, and maybe even title contention talks is Pat Curran versus Daniel Weiss, Welch. Uh, Kerwin uh, coming off of losing this featherweight championship. Welch is coming back after being time off and then coming back and getting a win. You know, his injury delayed him from possibly getting a title shot. Now he's healthy. Pat Kerwin's in his way of doing so. So that should be a fun fight. Uh, like I said, Julia Budd uh, versus uh, Gabriel Holloway. That's actually going to be featured on uh, the Spike TV portion of the card, which is great. Uh, Chris Honeycutt uh, versus Clayton uh, McFarlane is also going to be on the television portion of the Spike card. So that's that's also good that they're actually showing those fights and getting um, the women love and, and some of the other guys. And they have some other fights that will be on Spike TV and they're also going to have – they're even doing the same thing with their card. And I, Maybe I'm just puzzled by this. They're going to have fights on Spike.com after the main event. Uh, there will be um, more local fighters uh, on that card. So that will go down next weekend. And then you also have, like I said, you had UFC uh, fight night in Bloomfield, Colorado, headlined by uh, Benson Henderson versus Brandon Batch. Um I don't know really what to expect of this fight with Henderson moving up in weight. Uh, Thatch now getting another opponent on short notice. Uh, so I'm not even going to try to pick that one, but Max Holloway versus Cole Miller will still the show. Max Holloway there, but that is going to be the fight of the night. No Magny will look to continue his phenomenal win streak. My man fought five times last year, won all five fights, uh, won a couple of them via a TKO and knockout. I look for him to keep his streak going. And really, he's going to be winning six in a row. Granted, and he's just he's just laying through people. He's going he's gonna to get in that opportunity to uh, get in that top 15 rankings. I also forgot, a part of that same card uh, was another injury replacement, uh, Cody Fister. Uh, and it's going to be the first out of the UFC uh, fight pass. He's actually replacing uh, injured uh, uh, Jake Lindsay. So... Yet another injury out there. So, uh, man, the Thatch Henderson fight will be interesting here. Uh, but like I said, I don't even know how to call that fight with Henderson moving up and weight. But uh, won't really, we won't uh, preview those cards too much next week since I'll be loaded down with guests uh, for uh, Valentine's Day. But it'll be fun, and obviously we'll go back over those here uh, two weeks from tonight on the next Punch the Face Radio. But make sure you listen to next week's show. Uh, world. It'll be all about the ladies of women's mixed martial arts um, and Valentine's Day. We're showing love to the women of mixed martial arts. So until next week, man, everybody be safe, be blessed, stay out of trouble. It's snowing where I'm at now, so everyone stay warm. If you have to go on the road, definitely take your time. Uh, until next Wednesday's show, um, make sure you can listen to all the shows here on iTunes. 
Just search Bad Culture Radio. You'll be able to pull up all previous episodes of Punch the Face Radio, and as well as the other great programs we offer here through the Bad Culture Radio Network. Uh, also, make sure you uh, follow us on Twitter at the Bad Culture, and as well as BadCulture.com on the, on the web, and as well as PunchTheFace.com. Uh, with that being stated, uh, like I said, next week, great show. Uh, until then, I want everybody to be safe, be blessed, and I am out. <laughs>